Boy, talk about a difference a week makes. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. As always, it's great to be back with you, Barry. And just to let people out there know, if you missed any one of our shows or you're looking for something, they are up to date. PrincipledPolicy.com. That's PrincipledPolicy.com. And can you comment? Yes, you can. Can you send us an email? Yes, you can. PrincipledPolicy.com. I'm Vice Chairman at Principled Policy, and Barry is Director of Principled Policy. So let us know what you think. We know that not everybody out there agrees with us, and in fact, I'm quite sure there are people out there that think we're a couple of raving lunatics. And they would be right. They They wouldn't be far off. One of these days, Barry, I swear I'm going to do this, and I haven't done it yet. Okay. I'm going to set up the camera. Oh, my. So we can do this thing and post it. We can't do a live. Yeah, we probably could do a live, actually. I'm not sure if anybody wants to see the sausage. Well, who wants to tune in at 2.48 on a Wednesday afternoon to watch a couple of schlubs make a radio show? But what do those guys look like? And after that, we may have no listeners left. Well, that's true, because I have a face for radio and a voice for print. Both of us. Both of us, face for radio. Uh, My daughter asked me, she goes, you know, you have a radio voice. She runs the Licking County Historical Society. Oh, okay. And she said, we need voice actors for something they're doing. They're doing something virtually they normally do in person. Okay. They do it every year. They do a cemetery walk. Oh, excellent. Around when it gets to be Halloween time, they do a cemetery. Well, they're not doing it this year, which I... Whatever, that's the decision for the board to make. But I said, sure, I'll do that. She's heard me read on Sundays. Every third Sunday, I'm the reader at church. Okay. So I, you have to read the scripture. And I do occasionally have some some trouble with the Old Testament names. <laughs> As you're well aware, you read those and you're like, what is that word? But uh, I usually slog my way through it. And she was impressed enough. She asked me to do a little voice reenactment for a historical figure from Newark. Unless you think there aren't any of those, there are. So, gosh, I think we'll let you know where to find that. Uh, I think they're selling the CDs, for which I receive zero remuneration as a member of the society. I simply get to contribute. Oh, okay. And uh, I get to help my daughter out. So, Well, that's always a fine thing. It is. Well, you know, that's good, and I appreciate that. And honestly, it's something that I think both of us are fairly capable of doing or, or would be happy to do that kind of thing. More than and willing, yeah. For, for voice, I, I know with my very deep Southern Ohio accent, nobody really wants me to do voiceovers or anything unless they're running it in the Deep South. You can laugh about that. I went to Michigan State University, as you know, and I, I went up there, and you don't think, nobody ever thinks they have an accent. And they'd come up to me and they'd go, boy, you've got that that Southern Ohio thing. And I'm like, you ain't heard nothing. Yeah, you're, t- you're too I far said, away from that one. No, no, I'm Central Ohio. And I said, Ohio's got a weird set of accents. You get to the Northeast and it's, it's Pennsylvania, New York. It's not Ohio. Yeah, well, we, we're very dialectically challenged in this yeah. state. I'll just say that. And you get into Western and it's more like Indiana. 
of course, more like central Indiana. Mm-hmm. Indiana, of course, is diverse of as well. Of course, you get into the southwest, then you get a lot of the Kentucky, yep, you get Tennessee a lot of, kind of. And then in the southeast, you get a lot of the, the more West Virginia, uh, Virginia eastern Kentucky. Eastern, yes. Yeah. So we are a accent-diverse state. And you get into central Ohio, and they just speak politicese, and nobody understands that. Yeah, I once read that the least accented speech in the English-speaking world was in Nebraska. All right. Well, okay then. And they pointed to John. I think they pointed to Johnny Carson. Well, I always thought that he had a bit of a dialect or a bit of an accent when he was on the Tonight Show. Could be. I, I could pick it out. I mean, he had a very distinctive voice, obviously. So Jenny and I will watch. This is not where we're going today. But Jenny will watch. Sure, we are. We're, we're we, meandering around. We got rid of Netflix for guess what reason, folks? Couldn't have been for cuties. Cuties was the straw that broke the, broke camel's, the camel's back. back. And it was more than a straw. It was like a like a ten ton weight that broke the camel's back. I've seen what Netflix was putting out for their content, and right. it's awful. I mean, it's just it was garbage. And I was it, it to was the just, point I kept saying the only reason we kept it because there were shows on there that the grandkids would watch these little animated things that right. they were watching. Well, at least you didn't use the old excuse for people who got Playboy. I read it for the articles. I read it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> I I watch it for the kids. I hid it under the mattress for the purpose of, uh, so my mom wouldn't see the articles I was reading. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Now, uh, um, we were watching, we've switched over and took a temporary, I think, subscription to BritBox on on Prime. You know what? I have so many DVDs that are British comedies that, you know, know. I might as well, I I could run BritBox for my living room. Well, we've been watching Poirot. Well, that's a good one. I really uh, love the Poirot. My, my, my daughter is really into Jeeves and Worcester now. Oh, oh gosh, she should be. That's, uh, um, yes. It I, is the one, I, I, uh, Hugh Laurie going through the bit where well, I've had as many brains as, as Jeeves. I'd, I could be the PM or something. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> but we watched, and there was a woman who did okay with the American accent. But a couple of times I'm like, oh. Fake. Yes. Fake, fake, <laughs> you can tell the fake American accent. It's like yes. Amer- like British picking out a fake American doing a British accent. There are just words that it you can't yeah. get get away with. It takes or they, a lot or of they practice. stumble all over them. So speaking of stumbling all over words, Chuck. No, I'm not talking about President Trump and his tweets, okay? Because he usually rarely ever stumbles over words. But He so, may blurt some words. <laughs> Now, but he doesn't stumble. For, for our listeners, we're recording this on Wednesday of this week because that was the day I had to come up and, and get with Chuck in uh, Studio Michaelis here where we could go face-to-face and actually run with the live recording instead of the semi-live recording where all we kept dropping out. But as I'm coming up here, news breaks on a couple of different things, which we're both the, which we're going to talk about, but I want to talk about the first one now. And that is is that the Senate investigative report on Hunter Biden has been released. Now, for those of you who weren't paying any attention to this, and I know that's most people because we live our lives, we work our jobs, we watch our kids grow, and we cut our grass, and those are higher levels of importance than what's happening with the Hunter Biden investigation for most people. But for those of us who are paying attention to it, the Senate investigative report has just come out, just hot off the press today. Yes. But the conclusions of the Senate investigative report might actually cause 
some people to worry about what they've said in the past. And that person's obviously Joe Biden. Because the Senate investigative report came out and it clearly indicated that they believe that there was much in the way of, and they use the C word, Chuck, corruption. Yeah. That the office of the vice president may well have been used to personally enrich the Biden family through creating illegal and corrupt deals with foreign governments and foreign officials, including China. Because you can remember, this whole investigation started around Hunter Biden's more than cozy relationship with Burisma Oil and Gas Company in the Ukraine. And, of course, the Dems and the left spun it that it was all Donald Trump, you know, violating law because he made a phone call and suggested to the uh, premier in Ukraine that they might want to investigate Hunter Biden's connections over there. And, uh, well, come sure enough that there was good reason to, and there is still good reason to. Um, now, the investigative report will probably be the basis for later prosecution by the attorney general. And that prosecution may go farther than Hunter Biden himself, because it's obvious he was making $80,000 a month, Chuck, from Burisma Oil and Gas to sit on their board. Now, this is a board of a company of which he had no background to be on their board, other than the fact that he was the son of the sitting vice president, and the Obama administration were funneling billions, that's billions with a B, billions of dollars, to the Ukrainian, not just the government, but to these these companies. Uh, there's more to it than that. Oh well, I, obviously, I, as, always as you're, you you'll remember this, even if folks out there don't, you'll remember this. Joseph Biden standing in front of the Council on Foreign Relations, bragging about the fact that he'd gotten a Ukrainian prosecutor fired, right, from his office of the vice presidency, mm -hmm. using the power of the office of the vice presidency and threatening a loan. Or a grant, I forget. It was, it was, I believe it was a grant. Foreign it was, aid. It, it was, was foreign some, aid was of a billion dollars. Yes. And he threatened that in order to stop basically the stop the investigation into his, into his son. Not only that, and he bragged about this. Yes, and, he did. and it was a very arrogant, I, that guy was fired by before we got on the plane. And then denying that he'd said it, even though everybody who'd ever watched a news feed saw it. Saw it. Coming out of his mouth. Uh, yes. Now, but, but even that's not going to be the thing that may bring Joe Biden down. What may bring Joe Biden down is when he was interviewed by investigators, he said that he had never, ever talked to his son about his relationship with Burisma. But during the investigation, they come to find out that there was a conversation that was held by a... Um, ambassadorial official, uh, someone in within the White House, foreign, foreign affairs person, with Biden because many people within the administration and within the intelligence community felt that there were massive potential conflicts of interest and possibly corruption that they needed to bring to the attention of the Obama administration, of the president and the vice president. And uh, there was an individual, and I forget his name off the top of my head, but I'm sure you, you see you're looking at it, so you'll probably pull it up fairly quick, um, who basically had a private meeting with Joe Biden about the need for Hunter Biden to basically step away from that board, 
Within 48 hours, that official had received a phone call from Hunter Biden directly asking to meet with him. How would that? How would Hunter Biden have known? How would that have passed? That this individual would have been raising private concerns within the office of the president and the vice president. But Joe, under oath, stated he'd never ever talked to his son about this. It's not passing the smell test. No, of course not. And if that's the case, that Joe Biden lied under uh, under oath to a Senate investigative committee, oh boy, that changes an awful lot of the environment. This very well could be a felony offense. But, again, you know, we're in the middle of an election. And so... The problem is, is that you can't do anything about this, really. Let's just be quite frank about it. Politically, you can't do anything about this until after the election's over with. Right. Because if you go to prosecute Joe Biden, who's the Democrat candidate, for a felony offense related to this corruption that he was obviously involved in, yes, I'm stating it, obviously involved in, while he was vice president of the United States and using the powers and the influence of that office to personally support, enrich, or protect his own family members uh, by using threat, extortion, bribery, what have you. Chuck, even if the unthinkable would happen and Joe Biden would win the election, we still may be looking at a Kamala Harris administration, which Biden has inadvertently talked about numerous times on the stump lately, the times that are letting him out on the stump, because he talks about, instead of the Biden-Harris administration, he starts talking about the Harris-Biden administration. Joe's psychologically moved himself into the VP slot once again. Yeah, he, he can't stop himself. It, it's, it's, a, it's part and parcel of his diminished mental capacity. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Democrats, meanwhile, black... Okay, you're going to get ready to pull something up there. I can I can tell. <laughs> no, I'm 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 researching. Okay, that's good. See, uh, folks, you know we're so prepped for this program that we do the research while we're recording it. It right? does yeah, happen. I mean, well, well, this the, is so the, new that uh, we I, I didn't know about it until you mentioned it when you walked in the door. Oh, see, so you, okay, so it didn't come across any of the news feeds because I know usually when I come to Studio Michaelis, you've either got a, I've got a TV feed running or you've got an audio feed running on something. I've like. been busy today. I've been doing other things. There so. you go. See, this is how, when when there's a lot going on in the news, I'm usually busy. <laughs> uh so um I, I knew I knew the interim report was out, and I knew it was bad. Uh, and I the way I knew it was bad was I'd already seen attempts to spin it. Oh, of course. By, not just by the handlers, but by the mainstream media, which is what they do. They well, but, 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 but you just repeated yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, I, I, I understand that. The uh, MSM are the handlers. The anymore. MSM essentially uh, put themselves out. I watched a little exchange between uh, Sebastian Gorka and a CNN reporter uh, were, believe it or not, they're so desperate to make, this was yesterday, and I think it was from a few days ago, they're so desperate at CNN to to revive the whole Russia collusion thing. Yes. They keep bringing it up, and like Gorko's like, you really want to do you that? You really want to go there? <laughs> you because, really want to do that? Because we've got the goods on the the Clinton people 
who were talking to the Russians, and they weren't talking about trade deals and adoption laws. The fact is that they were talking about using the power of government to do their best to trip up a presidential candidate at one point and a sitting president at another. So the fact is that Gorka brought up, why why aren't you asking questions about that? Well, we decide what we're going to report on. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact is you won't, won't report on stuff that you can't use to enhance the position of the Democratic Party or, quote-unquote, Maverick Republicans, Mitt Romney, ah, John McCain. I was going to say, and now you're leading into my next little piece because I think it's very interesting that at the same time, and, and of course, I don't believe that this was coordinated and I'm not saying that it was, okay? But it just so happens that on the exact same day that the Senate investigative report on Biden's corruption comes out, you get the announcement that the widow of John McCain, Cindy McCain, is announcing that she's back. She's going to endorse Joe Biden for president. And, and I have to add the caveat as if that actually means anything right. to anybody. Exactly. Cindy McCain, essentially uh, the woman who uh, John dumped his first wife right for, for right. Uh, who, ha- who is uh, credited or discredited, if you will, with dragging him further left than he already was. Um, thank you very much. Well, and that, and that's, uh, meanwhile, that's, she, that's fine, you know. But you know, the only person who should be worried about Cindy McCain getting so close to Joe Biden is Jill Biden, considering the fact that that's how she well, got Joe in the first I place. I was going to say Jill's a because it's just come out that her her ex husband is releasing a book, and he's basically saying that that whole love story that Joe and Jill have concocted about meeting on a blind date in 1975 is hogwash it's bunk it's bunk that basically she he and she met the bidens while he was still a councilman in in new hampshire and that most likely jill and joe started carrying on a romantic relationship while she was still married to her first husband in other words she was sleeping around with joe biden and joe who Okay, his wife and daughter had died in the car wreck. We know all about that. Yep. Hunter and Bo were in it, and they got injured, but, but did it, and Bo's dead now. The ongoing melodrama tragedy of Joe Biden's life may not be exactly the note that they want you to sing. Because it looks like Joe Biden went predatory and stole another man's wife in order to advance himself and, of course, advance her as well. Because you got to remember, that's Dr. Jill Biden. She had quite yeah. a bit of money. This was before Joe elevated to the United States Senate. Gee, what's one of the things you need when you're going to run for Senate, Chuck? Money. Money. Lots of it. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the whole sordid story... Uh, the fact is that uh, uh, during the presidential debates, um, uh, Joe Biden referred to uh, um, John McCain as a coward. Yes. Okay. So she's claiming that she's gone over to Biden because of Jill Biden or Jill uh, McCain is uh, or Jill McCain. Uh, um, what's her name? <laughs> Jill Biden? Jill, uh, no, uh, McCain. Cindy, Cindy, Cindy McCain. Cindy McCain. Cindy. Sorry about that. I wasn't sure which one you senior, were trying to get to senior, there. Senior moment. <laughs> Cindy is claiming she's gone over to Biden because of uh, Trump's now debunked 
the debunked charge that he'd said that uh, uh, the people in the cemetery in France were losers uh, and he didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, everybody says that that is $3 bill fake and yet what do you grasp on to? You grasp on to a completely debunked statement. Of course. Now, is uh, the Atlantic still uh, swearing that that's true? Yes, but they can't find anybody who was there who will corroborate it. Th- there and, you have and it. And that includes uh, John Bolton, who really can't stand the sight of Donald Trump. He's, in fact, the way he put it was, I can't stand the guy, but he didn't say that. And he wouldn't say that. And he can't stand, John Bolton can't stand uh, uh, Donald, th- Trump. Donald Trump yeah. because he won't declare war every five minutes. Or declare, presidents yeah, well, can't yeah, declare yeah, war. But. John Bolton's a war hawk, and obviously Donald Trump's not. I mean, obviously we've gotten two peace treaty negotiations between Israel and Arab nations, Chuck, already. United Arab United Emirates, Emirates and uh, Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah. Trump just announced over the weekend there are more coming. UAE is pretty hardcore, too. They are, but my guess is, I mean, obviously you're not going to get Qatar anytime soon because no. they're really hardcore. But there are a number of the other Arab nations around them that basically have decided that the Palestinian Authority may not be such an authority anymore. Palestine, The Palestinian Authority has been, uh, authority has been in, a thorn in the side of surrounding nations for decades. And, and can I suggest something? Okay, here's here's a little bit of analysis, folks. And this is the way you need to think about this. Well, I guess let me not tell you how to think. Let me let me provide you with some ideas about what to think. Why in the world would a nation, any nation such as the United Arab Emirates or Bahrain, either one be compelled or decide to go and create a peace treaty with what is arguably one of their longest standing enemies in their minds the Israelis is the nation of Israel brokered if it was being brokered by a man that they all expected to not be around for the next four years yeah I think honestly those peace treaties are signals that the rest of the world's got it figured out, but the Democratic Party and Joe Biden still haven't gotten on page yet, that Trump's going to win this election and he's going to be around for another four years. And so these countries realize they can't just wait and bide their time and drag their feet and wait until Biden gets into office and then go back to status quo ante with the Palestinians being all that in a bag of chips to the United States foreign policy. They understand... The environment changed, and it's going to continue to stay changed, at least for the next four years. Because, Chuck, it makes no yeah. sense whatsoever yeah. for any of these countries to sign these peace deals the summer or the early fall before a presidential election if you didn't think that the incumbent was going to stay in office. It's interesting you bring this up, because I read an article yesterday, and I'm trying to find it and save it. Because okay. I didn't think it worth saving, but well, I, I didn't think this was going to come up. Okay, I should learn to do better. 
uh, to anticipate that. Okay, Chuck, we're brothers from another mother, it yeah. seems. So you should think if anything it, it yeah. scratches you in the back of the head that maybe this is good, that most likely I'm going to come up from a different angle on the same thing. Yeah, basically I read an article that said, well, uh, Europeans don't like Donald Trump much and they don't want to see him reelected. Now, I laugh about this well, because... Well, that depends on which Europeans you're talking about. Well, you're talking about Angela Merkel in Germany, or you're talking about... Uh, well, actually, you can't even talk about France anymore because they basically decided, uh, maybe we better deal with this guy. Yeah. Um, there aren't that many European countries who well, don't want Trump reelected. I am sure Boris Johnson is sitting there thinking, yeah, you know what, we need to keep him going. Yeah. Because, honestly... The U.S. is going to be the biggest backer of Britain when they actually finalize everything with the Brexit deal. Exactly. Who's going to be number one trading partner? Uh, well, it certainly won't be any of the European Union countries. Oh, they'll want to, and they w- they'll try to boycott it first, and they can't do it. Well, that's but, true. But here's the here's who. I mean, you're right. Angela Merkel. It was uh, Spain. It was uh, right. Italy. It was a, it was a few other of the ultra left, and I'm like. Okay, this is the same tactic. I've seen this tactic every election cycle where it looks yes. like a Republican might have... A, Europeans are very upset that we would elect this man. Oh, gosh, I remember with Ronald Reagan. They don't want to have to deal with this saber-rattling old man and bloody... Remember, remember Ronald yes, Reagan was too yes. old for the job when he was 68? Right. Um, now we've got... A seventy-seven-year-old man versus what? A seventy-four-year-old man, and yes, and, we do. And frankly, I think that maybe Donald Trump is a great example of why we probably should elect our presidents a little older, a little older, yeah, a little bit more but, worldly but, experience. And they, they haven't spent their entire adult professional lives and careers getting paid by the taxpayers now every time i'd see one of these reports in the past and I, my react my visceral reaction was exactly the same as it is this time who cares europeans yes. can't vote i don't care what the canadians think i don't care what the mexicans think i don't care what they think in um the central african republic i really don't care because you know Oh, well, they're afraid that this or that or another thing might happen. It's not their worry. Go That's right. elect your own leaders. Thank you. And if we have anything to say to you, we'll have, we'll send an ambassador over with a message. And we'll deal with you that way. This thing about you wanting to, to have a say, I can remember there were people in some countries like Germany, we want to have, we want to have a say in your election. Uh, well, you can't. Now, people. One of the whole things we're all the things we're dealing with with this whole the the fakey Jake um, um, impeachment they did earlier in the year um, had to do with the idea that somehow Russia uh, had had successfully interfered in our election by buying ten thousand dollars worth of Facebook ads, um, folks. The Russians have been meddling in our elections. The British have been meddling in our elections. The Germans have been meddling in our elections. Name a country. Chinese have been meddling in our elections. The Israelis have meddled in our elections. And boy, oh boy, have we meddled in theirs. Mm -hmm. When you've got a sitting president of the United States that goes over 
that sends over his top aides to help defeat a certain candidate? What's wrong with this picture? The very same thing that didn't happen, we now know was completely made up, and yet books are being released to say how the Mueller investigation could have done more. What, they could have made more stuff up? Why hasn't anyone investigated the fact that both Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton interfered in a British election by sending aides over to campaign against people. Yes. And uh, we interfered in, in, in an Israeli election by sending campaign aides over to um, stand in for someone that, that Obama didn't like. The same thing with with Clinton. Uh, we the Repu- You don't see the Republicans saying, "Get somebody over there to to interfere in that election." No, we're we're like, we'll deal with who you send us. If we don't like them, you may hear about it from a from a uh, a di- diplomatic standpoint, and you may uh, find yourself if if they're too aggressive, you may find yourself with a trade problem. But yes. we don't go over there and say, vote for this guy or. And we don't send people over there. When we say we, I mean, the Republicans don't right. send people over. Uh, Republican administrations do not send people over to interfere in elections. No, the CIA does. The CIA has. <laughs> it, listen, I, it, I, and it I'm, has. Not, I'm not so naive to say that they haven't really interfered yes. in uh does, in, like, it, South American elections, or, or, or how about Central American elections, Iran, Iran's elections. That historically, uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq was a CIA insertion. So Libya. Yes. Um, Qaddafi. Mu- Muammar Qaddafi. Qaddafi was every, a CIA every, guy. Every dictator we've ever had issues with in the Middle East have been put in there by, by the, the CIA. CIA. Or at least, not necessarily put in. But certainly, given way more of a hand up than their That's opponents, right. much much more latitude in that. Yeah. So. No. So, yeah. I, I, yes. I I don't want to make that point that that hasn't happened. Very often, it's happened because the CIA is too independent of both the uh, control of both the sitting administration and the Congress. I don't think that's going to be the case in the future now that we've had the whole issue with the FBI spying and the FISA warrants and everything else. I think the CIA is probably sitting there thinking, maybe we better cool off our jets a little bit with this administration because we might be the next ones in the big cross. The CIA is so far up to its neck in this Russia collusion yes, hoax are. that it's frightening. And the fact that there aren't any indictment, indi- indictment, indict- and, indict- indictments, indictments yet, <laughs> indictments. Um, it's, to me and to many other people, it's shocking. We're, we got to sit through another election cycle before anything's actually going to be done. That's true. That's true. Um, and which means if if uh, um, Biden and uh, Harris win, it and the Congress is uh, uh, goes over, it's dropped like a hot potato. Well, yeah, it's going to be dropped. There's going to be a lot of things as we, you know, I, like I said, you, the Middle Eastern peace that's being crafted by Trump with these signatures will be shot to pieces it will go by the wayside you'll see these trees getting broken almost immediately because they'll know that they've got a weak uh inconsequential administration in the white house who's basically willing to let them get away with whatever um here's one of the things now if we're going to talk about if if biden and harris happen to you know pull it off pull it off here's probably one of the first things that will get struck 
And it's funny, Chuck, because as we're talking, this just comes across my newswire, okay? Of course. Um, and so I really want to do take a little bit of time here, and I'm sorry, I know we've, we've got precious time on this, but I want to read this in its entirety because I think it's incredibly important. Uh, it may be more important than most people realize. You've got 26 minutes. Go for it. I don't think I'll take quite that long, but I might. So basically, this is the text of President Donald Trump's executive order regarding combating race and sex stereotyping just issued today chuck okay so in the last light of everything else that's going on trump dropped this piece here it is here's the text by the authority vested in me as president by the constitution and the laws of the united states of america including the federal property and administrative services act 401 usc 101 at sec and in order to promote economy and efficiency in federal contracting to promote unity in the federal workforce and to combat offensive and anti-american race and sex stereotyping and scapegoating it is hereby ordered as follows section one purpose from the battlefield of gettysburg to the bus boycott in montgomery and the selma to montgomery marches heroic americans have valiantly risked their lives to ensure that their children would grow up in a nation living out its creed expressed in the declaration of independence quote we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal unquote it was this belief in the inherent equality of every individual that inspired the founding generation to risk their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to establish a new nation, unique among the countries of the world. President Abraham Lincoln understood this that this belief is, quote, the electric cord, unquote, that, quote, links the hearts of patriotic and liberty-loving people, unquote, no matter their race or country of origin. It is the belief that inspired the heroic black soldiers of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry Regiment to defend that same Union at great cost in the Civil War. And it is what inspired Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to dream that his children would one day, quote, not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, unquote. Thanks to the courage and sacrifice of our forebears, America has made significant progress toward realization of our national creed, particularly in the 57 years since Dr. King shared his dream with the country. Today, however... Many people are pushing a different vision of America that is grounded in hierarchies based on collective social and political identities rather than in the inherent and equal dignity of every person as an individual. This ideology is rooted in the pernicious and false belief that America is an irredeemably racist and sexist country, that some people, simply on account of their race or sex, are oppressors, and that racial and sexual identities are more important than our common status as human beings and Americans. This destructive ideology is grounded in misrepresentations of our country's history and its role in the world. Although presented as new and revolutionary, they resurrect the discredited notions of the 19th century's apologists for slavery who, like President Lincoln's rival Stephen A. Douglas, maintained that our government, quote, was made on the white basis, quote, unquote, by white men for the benefit of white men. Our founding documents rejected these radicalized views of America, which were soundly defeated on the bloodstained battlefields of the Civil War. Yet they are now being repackaged and sold as cutting-edge insights. They are designed to divide us and prevent us from uniting as one people in pursuit of one common destiny for our great country. Unfortunately, this malign ideology is now migrating from the fringes of American society and threatens to infect core institutions of our country, instructors and materials teaching that men and members of certain races as well as our most venerable institutions, are inherently sexist and racist and are appearing in workplace diversity trainings across the country, even in components of the federal government and among federal contractors. For example, the Department of the Treasury recently held a seminar that promoted arguments that, quote, virtually all white people, regardless of how woke they are, contribute to racism, 
unquote. And that instructed small group leaders to encourage employees to avoid narratives that Americans should be more colorblind or let people's skills and personalities be what differentiates them. Training materials from Argonne National Laboratories, a federal entity, stated that racism, quote, is interwoven into every fabric of America and described statements like colorblindness and the meritocracy as, quote, actions of bias, unquote. Colorblindness. Yeah, exactly. If you're colorblind, then obviously that's a bias. Uh, that's just liberal logic 101. Okay, so back to this. Materials from Sandia National Laboratories, also a federal entity for non-minority males, stated that an emphasis, quote, on rationality over emotionality was a characteristic of white males and asked those present to acknowledge their privilege to each other. So basically, it seems, Chuck, I'm, gonna, I'm setting aside here. They're putting out materials that are in and of themselves making racist statements. Oh, of course they are. Yeah. Okay, okay, back to back to the EO. A Smithsonian Institution Museum graphic recently claimed that concepts like quote objective rational linear thinking, hard work being the key to success, the nuclear family and a belief in a single god are not values that unite Americans of all races but are instead quote aspects and assumptions of whiteness. Unquote. The museum also stated that quote Facing your whiteness is hard and can result in feelings of guilt, sadness, confusion, defensiveness, or fear, unquote. All of this is contrary to the fundamental premises underpinning our republic, that all individuals are created equal and should be allowed an equal opportunity under the law to pursue happiness and prosper based on individual merit. Executive departments and agencies... Our uniform services, federal contractors, and federal grant recipients should, of course, continue to foster environments devoid of hostility, grounded in race, sex, and other federally protected characteristics. Training employees to create an inclusive workplace is appropriate and beneficial. The federal government is and must always be committed to the fair and equal treatment of all individuals before the law. But training like that discussed above perpetuates racial stereotypes and division and can use subtle coercive pressure to ensure conformity of viewpoint. Such ideas may be fashionable in the academy, but they have no place in programs and activities supported by federal taxpayer dollars. Research also suggests that blame-focused diversity training reinforces biases and decreases opportunities for minorities. Our federal civil service system is based on merit principles. These principles, codified at 5 U.S.C. 2301, call for all employees to, quote, receive fair and equitable treatment in all aspects of personnel management without regard to race or sex and with proper regard for their constitutional rights, unquote. Instructing federal employees that training, treating individuals on the basis of individual merit is racist or sexist directly undermines our merit system principles and impairs the efficiency of the federal service. Similarly, our uniform services should not teach our heroic men and women in uniform the lie that the country for which they are willing to die is fundamentally racist. Such teachings could directly threaten the cohesion and effectiveness of our uniform services. And I think they just hit on a really nice note there of yes, why this is happening. Exactly. Okay, continuing with the EO. This is a long one, I'm telling you. Such activities also promote division and inefficiency when carried out by federal contractors. The federal government has long prohibited federal contractors from engaging in race or sex discrimination and required contractors to take affirmative action to ensure that such discrimination does not occur. The participation of contractors' employees in trainings that promote race or sex stereotyping or scapegoating similarly undermines efficiency in federal contracting. Such requirements promote divisiveness in the workplace and distract from the pursuit of excellence and collaborative achievements in public administration. Therefore, 
it shall be the policy of the United States not to promote race or sex stereotyping or scapegoating in the federal workforce or in the uniformed services and not to allow grant funds to be used for these purposes. That's big. In addition, federal contractors will not be permitted to inculcate such views in their employees. Section 2, definitions. This is It's always important to hear what the definitions you are. You betcha. For the purposes of this order, the phrase A, divisive concepts, means the concepts that one... That Number one, one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. Second point, the United States is, a fundamentally, ra- is fundamentally racist or sexist. Three, an individual by virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. Four, an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely on or partly because of his race or sex. Five, members of one race or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race or sex. Six, an individual's moral character is necessarily determined by his race or sex. Seven, an individual by virtue of his race or sex, his or her race or sex, I should say it says his or her, I've been shorting it, sorry about that. His or her race or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. You understand what he just they just slipped in there? No reparations coming out of the federal for federal contractors. Nope. Okay. Eight, any individual should feel discomfort. These are things that are prohibited. Okay. This is the under the definition of this is a divisive concept. Number eight. Any individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress or on account of his or her race or sex. Or nine, meritocracy or traits such as hard work, ethic, are racist or sexist, or were created by a particular race to oppress another race. The term divisive concepts also includes any other form of race or sex stereotyping or any other form of race or sex scapegoating. B. Race or sex stereotyping means ascribing character traits, values, moral, and ethical codes, privileges, statuses, or beliefs to a race or sex or to an individual because of her race or sex. C. Race or sex scapegoating means assigning fault, blame, or bias to a race or sex or to members of a race or sex because of their race or sex. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. It similarly encompasses any claim that, consciously or unconsciously, and by virtue of his or her race or sex, members of any race are inherently racist or are inherently inclined to oppress others, or that members of a sex are inherently sexist or inclined to oppress others. D. Senior political appointee means an individual appointed by the president or a non-career member of the senior executive service or agency equivalent system. Okay. Section 3. Requirements for the United States Uniformed Services. This is the military, folks. The United States Uniformed Services, including the United States Armed Forces, shall not teach, instruct, or train any member of the United States Uniformed Services, whether serving as on active duty, serving on reserve duty, attending a military service academy, or attending courses conducted by a military department pursuant to a reserve officer corps training program, to believe any of the divisive concepts set forth in Section 2A of this order. No member of the United States Uniformed Services shall face any penalty or discrimination on account of his or her refusal to support, believe, endorse, embrace, confess, act upon, or otherwise assent to these concepts. In other words, you got the right to refuse yes. when, when, when the leftist woke social justice warriors try to jam it down your throat. You have the right to say, uh-uh. No. Section 4, Requirements for Government Contractors. A, accepting contracts exempted in the manner provided by Section 204 of Executive Order 11246 of September 24th, 1965, which is the Equal Employment Opportunity Act. As amended, all government contracting agencies shall include in every government contract hereafter entered into the following provisions. During the performance of this contract, the contractor agrees as follows. One, the contractor shall not use any workplace training that includes in its employees or inculcate 
inculcates in its employees any form of race or sex stereotyping or any form of race or sex scapegoating, including concepts that A, one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex, B, an individual by virtue of his or her race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, C, an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of his race or sex, D, members of one race or sex cannot and should not attempt to treat others without respect to race or sex, E, an individual's moral character is necessarily... So basically it's the exact same list as the above, so they're repeating it for right. contractors. I'm just going to skip down a little bit to save us a little bit of time. So, ba- past, okay, so here it is. Um, the term, and, and they, they redefine the same term with the same terms for the contracts. So basically, so it says, number two, the contractor will send to each labor union or representative work of workers with which he has a collective bargaining agreement or other contractor understanding a notice to be provided by the agency contracting officer advising the labor union or workers representative of the contractor's commitments under this executive order of September 22nd, 2020 entitled Combating Race and Sex Stereotyping and shall post copies of the notice in conspicuous places available to employees and applicants for employment. So in other words, the contractor's got to say, I don't care what the collective bargaining agreement says, we've got to follow this executive order. So if they try to go through the unions to push this critical race theory garbage. Checkmate. Checkmate. I love it. Okay, number three. In the event of the contractor's noncompliance with the requirements of the paragraphs 1, 2, and 4, or with any rules, regulations, or orders that may be promulgated in accordance with the executive order of September 22, 2020, this contract may be canceled, terminated, or suspended in whole or in part, and the contractor may be declared ineligible for further government contracts in accordance with procedures authorized in Executive Order 11246, and such other sanctions may be imposed and remedies invoked as provided by any rule, regulation, or orders the Secretary of Labor has issued or adopted pursuant to Executive Order 11246, including subpart D of that order. Number four, the contractor will include the provisions of paragraphs one through four in every subcontract or purchase order unless exempted by rules, regulations, or orders of the Secretary of Labor so that such provisions will be binding upon each subcontractor or vendor. Okay. The contractor will take such action with respect to any subcontract or purchase order as may be directed by the Secretary of Labor as a means of enforcing such provisions, including sanctions for noncompliance, provided, however, that in the event the contractor becomes involved in or is threatened with litigation with a subcontractor or vendor as a result of such direction, the contractor may request the United States to enter into such litigation to protect the interests of the United States. Wow. <laughs> You're going to bring the full you, faith and force and credit of you, the United States against people trying to jam this stuff down. You threats. can't even use a subcontractor to uh, try to uh, jam this, drive a wedge. Jam this stuff in. Yeah. Right. Okay. They, I believe that they combed and figured out every nook and cranny where this stuff could come in, and they, they're trying to close all yeah, the doors. I'll have a comment on that after we okay. finish. Okay. Here we go. Okay, so here it is. The department. Okay, subsection B. The Department of Labor is directed through the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs to establish a hotline and investigate complaints received under both this order as well as Executive Order Eleven Two Forty Six, alleging that a federal contractor is utilizing such training programs in violation of the contractor's obligations under those orders. The department shall take appropriate enforcement action and provide remedial relief as appropriate. C, within 30 days of the date of this order, the director of the office shall publish in the Federal Register a request for information seeking information from federal contractors, federal subcontractors, and employees of federal contractors and subcontractors regarding the training, workshops, or similar programming provided to employees. The request for information should request copies of any training, workshop, or similar programming having to do with diversity and inclusion, as well as information about the duration, frequency, and expense of such activities. 
Section 5. Ooh, that was a good one, though. Yes. <clears throat> Section 5, requirements for federal grants. The heads of a, all agencies shall review their respective grant programs and identify programs for which the agency may, as a condition of receiving such a grant, require the recipient to certify that it will not use federal funds to promote the concepts that A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. So it's those eight things that they're forbidden, uh, the mer- all the way to meritocracy. Within 60 days of the date of this order, the heads of agencies shall each submit a report to the Director of Office of Bud- Management and Budget that lists all grant programs so identified. Section 6, Requirements for Agencies. A, the fair and equal treatment of individuals is an inviolable principle that must be maintained in the federal workplace. Agencies should continue all training that will foster a workplace that is respectful of all employees accordingly. Sub, subparagraph 1, the head of each agency shall use his or her authority under 5 U.S.C. 301, 302, and 4103 to ensure that the agency, agency employees while on duty status and any contractors hired by the agency to provide training workshops, forums, or similar programming for purposes of this section, training, to agency employees do not teach, advocate, act upon, or promote in any training to agency employees any of the divisive concepts listed in Section 2A of this order. Agencies may consult with the Office of Personnel Management pursuant to 5 U.S.C. 4116 in carrying out this provision, and agency diversity and inclusion efforts shall first and foremost encourage agency employees not to judge each other by their color, race, ethnicity, sex, or any other characteristics protected by federal law. We're going back to the original Civil Rights Act is what he said. Right. B, the Director of uh, Office of Personnel Management shall propose regulations providing that agency officials with a supervisory authority over a supervisor or an employee with a responsible for promoting diversity and inclusion if such supervisor or employee either authorizes or approves training that promotes the divisive concepts set forth in Section 2A of this order shall take appropriate steps to pursue a performance-based adverse action proceeding against such supervisor or employee under Chapters 43 or 75 of Title V United States Code. Each agency, each, each agency head shall issue an order incorporating the requirements of this order into agency operations, including by making compliance with this order a provision in all agency contracts for diversity training. Request that agency inspectors, agency inspector general, through thoroughly review and assessed by the end of the calendar year and not less than annually thereafter, agency compliance with the requirement of this order in the form of a report submitted to OMB and Two, three, assign at least one senior political appointee responsibility for ensuring compliance with the requirements of this order. So, okay, and then it goes, I'm going to, okay, there's review of training, a title seven right. guidance. Okay, okay, here it is. Section nine, effective date. This order is effective immediately. Except that the requirements of Section 4 of this order shall apply to contractor, contracts entered into 60 days after the date of this order. So, in other words, Everything's going, and but the new contracts are going to be within 60 days. You're going to have to write. How many days we got left till the election, Chuck? Yeah, baby. Uh, what is it? Uh, 30, 40, 47 seven or something, something like, like that. that. So, yeah, yeah, this is going to go into play. The contracts are going to change right after the election. Section 10, general provisions. A, this order does not prevent agencies of the United States Uniformed Services or contractors from promoting racial, racial, cultural, or ethnic diversity or inclusiveness, provided such efforts are consistent with the requirements of this order. B, nothing in this order shall be construed to prohibit discussing as part of a larger course of academic instruction the divisive concepts listed in Section 2A of this order in an objective manner and without endorsement. Subsection C, if any provision of this order or the application of any provision to any person or circumstance is held to be invalid, the remainder of this order and the application of its provisions to any other persons or circumstances shall not be affected thereby. That's called a severability clause. Right. 
D, nothing in this order shall be construed to impair or otherwise affect, A, the authority granted by law to an executive department agency head or head the head thereof, two, the functions of the director of office of management budget related to budgetary, administrative, or legislative proposals, and then subsection E, this order shall be implemented consistent with applicable law and subject to the availability of appropriations. F, this order is not intended to and does not create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable at law or in equity by any party against the United States, its department agencies or entities, its officers, employees, or agents, or any other person, i.e., you can't sue us because we put this order in place. Eh. <laughs> Earlier this month, the Trump administration announced that it was cracking down on the device of an anti-American propaganda after learning that it had started to seep into federal agencies. Uh, so this is this is some more discussion about this, but that was the that was the crux of the executive order, Chuck. There it is, full stop. For purposes of spending federal taxpayer dollars, you can't try to jam critical race theory down people's throats and force them to comply with it. Thoughts? Well, I, I, I'm going to be quite honest. One of the first things I did when I I ran a couple of laboratories, and when I did it. I wrote procedures. And when I wrote a procedure, I went through mentally. Yep. And I said, what mistakes could happen at this step or what misconstruals or what uh, uh, simple uh, purposeful uh, misinterpretations could be done at this spot? And you checkmate them in the written procedure. Yeah, you have to. That's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, that's exactly what the Trump administration has just done. Yeah, every, everything uh, that could go wrong. I, 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 never underestimate the ability of both idiots and lawyers. If that's not a sorry, folks, I'm, yeah. I'm having a little fun. Uh, if that's not the same thing, no. If idiots and lawyers to come up with something creative. To bypass something. They'll try. Oh, they'll try. But, you know, the beautiful part about this, because we talked about contractors and subcontractors and all those things, the real meat of this executive order is the federal grantees. Yes. Because who are some of the largest grantees of the federal government? Oh, the local, state, state, federal, local, or state. uh, Nope. Think Think about a place University that is, that is ha- bingo a place that is having much more impact on the formation of people's beliefs and values than any yeah. other place other than the church and God help me the church is going that direction too I in agree. many in many places but universities Chuck colleges and universities who get federal grants guess what critical you- race theory is going to have to go right out the door so you all of these whining Marxist professors that you see talking about how they want to see Trump dead and you, you see the news articles where the nothing ever happens to them. Right. Uh, you know, if it had been, if it had been, if, if the shoe would have been on the other foot four years ago and it would have been a conservative professor at one of these universities saying that he wished a Barack Obama would, would get turned up dead, he would have been arrested. Uh, yeah. Investigated he, and most likely arrested. Th- these leftists? Oh, yeah. and certainly fired. And certainly fired. Most of these people barely get suspended without pay. I mean, there was... Oh, they don't get that. Well, they don't get it's that. Considered it's considered... It's part of their quote-unquote academic freedom. But, but now they're... Okay, and that'll be where the challenge... Okay, you just hit on the key phrase, because that is where this executive order will get challenged. It will be by a university professor who's getting lots and lots of federal money who's going to cry bloody murder because they're now bound from teaching critical race theory. 
that's where the suit will come in, and they will they will use, they will try yeah. to wrap it under the banner of academic freedom. Yeah. There's nothing in this executive no. order that re- keeps you from having academic freedom. It just, just says, says you, you have can- to do it on your own nickel. Bingo! Exactly. You if you want to if you want to pay for it, great. But you're not paying for it with federal money, right? So, and of course, you, we know how monies are fungible, so that can happen. But of all the things that have happened this week, whether it's the Senate investigative report on Hunter Biden, whether it is you know all the stuff that's been coming out, I honestly believe this executive order release might be one of the biggest game changers culturally and it's just another way where Donald Trump just moved a piece on the chessboard and said oh checkmate mm-hmm. yes again this is a checkmate this is a huge checkmate against liberal academia who are basically taking your sons and your daughters and your grandsons and your granddaughters and turning them against you and everything you believe in the nuclear family, the belief in one God. You saw all this stuff that they basically said, oh, if you do all this, then you are inherently racist because you're, oh, well, it, that, that's, that's showing your whiteness if you believe in one God or the nuclear family yes. or merit or hard work or success through you know work and difficulty instead of success through getting handouts. It's, it's in, an, in itself racist. If Absolutely. You, and, and because uh, uh, it doesn't matter... If you're white, you're the enemy. Yes, and we see that all through um, all through uh, uh, professional sports, acting, um, the performance at the Emmys the other night. Now, I'll be quite honest; I didn't watch that thing. And guess what, folks? Chances are, if we did a telephone survey, you didn't watch it either. Now, I don't. I wouldn't have bothered to watch it. Regardless. No. Uh, well, first of all, why? Yeah, I don't. Care. I haven't watched anything like that in decades. But I, the well, fact I don't, is, I don't that watch TV, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was such a racial pander. Uh, one of the monologues was pandered so badly racially. Um, uh, it was all. I don't know why anybody will watch after that. It's it's not a black white thing. No, but they tried to make it into a black white thing. And, and why, why am like, I not surprised? Yeah, uh, it's not surprising. It is the new racism. It's okay to be uh, to call out white people for being white, in the same way that at times in the past it has been okay to call out Native Americans for being a Native American or black people for being black. Guess what, folks? We we threw that idea under the bus almost 60 years ago yeah and here it is back the corpse the corpse is back but it's back in negative yes so instead of being about people of color now it's about people oh look you and i both know everybody's got color we're not really white that's right nobody's white yeah. yeah we all have differing amounts of melanin in our skin um and uh but nonetheless it's 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 the negative if you will Instead of being whites prejudiced against blacks, or even look, the uh, it's not just black, uh, white on black at the time. It was black people and Jews, and whites and Jews, and uh, Native American, wh- white people, black people, and everybody else with Native Americans. Uh, it was, in, it, you could point out uh, Hispanics. But the fact is that Hispanics have had trouble with Indians, for natives, forever, even though 
the blood is very uh very much mixed yes in mexico yep. that that being said instead of white and colors now it's colors and white and it shouldn't be anything there should be no racial component to it whatsoever well, again, when we're talking about emotion over logic, that's what you get. Yeah. So, so Chuck, one thing is I know that at 5 o'clock tonight on Saturday, there's going to be an announcement made for Trump's nominee to the United States Supreme Court. Next program, we will be going into the background of that nominee and talking about the legacy and the history of uh, the notorious, now not among us, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. And that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.